Hey everybody, welcome back to the Overrun Podcast. I'm Dan Schwester. I'm Anna Ryan. I'm Jess Mastercola. I'm Kevin Mazza. And I'm Mike DeFilippo. And today we're going to talk about field training and precepting. Um, this might be a, a personal minefield for myself because mm-hmm. uh, at uh, sitting at the uh, table in the Overrun Studios at the undisclosed location, uh, 75% of the people who are here have been precepted by yours truly. So. Yeah. This is going to be either really interesting or something I'm going to regret and you'll never hear. I already smell flesh cooking. (laughs) You're about to get roasted. Oh, boy. So... I guess so. Preceptings, uh, we're going to agree that it's a really important part of the job. I mean, it's a really important part of developing our, you know, the people who are coming into the profession and and to setting them on the right path. You can do a lot of good for somebody as a preceptor or an FTO, or you can really do a lot of bad things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, sometimes it can happen in a blink of an eye or really, really quickly. Um, you know, I remember my preceptors and I remember some of my training officers. Um, I had positive and negative influences. I had positive and negative benefits. Uh, overall, I think I took a little bit from both sides, uh, applied them. I didn't, I, I will admit that in, you know, the era, era when I kind of came up, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on learning how to use the skills and the things that you've learned for good and bad. Um, that would help you develop out your career. And I think that's advanced a little bit. So, you know, I'm going to kind of give it up to you guys. Um, And uh, Jess also, you know, being precepted in a nursing residency right now for emergency medicine. So, you know, what are your thoughts? What makes a good preceptor? What are your good experiences? What were the bad experiences? Uh I mean, for me as a medic intern. Oh, that's disturbing. He just went. Uh. I, I can think uh, more than a handful of occasions where I went home feeling completely useless, like I shouldn't be here. Um, after being praised by that same priest, not you, after being praised by that same preceptor six hours prior in the shift for how advanced I was, and then tore it all down in about thirty seconds on a bad job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Maybe I think the biggest thing, just be consistent and fair. Like, if you're going to, like, I don't know, Dan, you're a father, but you got to you gotta be fair, but you got to be firm. And No, I'd agree with that. And it, it, in a way, it is it is parenting. You, yeah, you can't, you can't just, you can't play favorites. You can't decide you don't like them because they have some personal view. You have to treat every student, I think, the same way mm-hmm. from day to day, job to job. You got to have a consistent pattern of teaching how you're going to talk to them, treat them with respect, and then um, at the same time, like your teething, your teething, your teaching <laughs> methodology. You can't, yeah, you got to cater to each student, but you have to have a plan each time going in, not just like, oh, I'm experienced. Here's a guy in a truck. I'm just going to tell him what he's doing wrong. I would have to say, in my experience, both going through paramedic school and now in medical school, um, I think the paramedic programs do a great job of getting the students involved and feel, feeling like you're on a team. My biggest complaint in medical school, as far as the precepting I get sometimes, is that you literally just stand there and do nothing and watch the doctors do everything. As opposed to when I was a medic, going through medic school, I felt like almost every single FTO I had was like, do everything unless I don't feel comfortable with you doing something. And that was very, very rare. Yeah, I think that's what you got to do. I mean, like, I know how to do it. You don't. So how do you learn and where's the best place to learn with somebody who knows what you're doing and can steer you or pull you out of a hole if you're in trouble? 
um, you know, that, that is something, you know, and that, that to me, like when, when I try to talk to people about precepting or being an FTO is you have to be willing to let the student go right to the edge of making a really big mistake. And you have to know when you're going to say, stop, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You know, almost to the point, like you're going to let them almost, you know, start that IV on the unsterilized site or draw up the, the wrong med. And then you're going to go, Hey, what was that you were doing? And they go, Oh, you know, that's a really good teachable moment. Um, consistency is critical. You you can't be inconsistent and be be an FTO. If you're an FTO that doesn't check your truck every shift, if you're an FTO or a preceptor that doesn't do your narcotics counts, if you're an FTO or a preceptor who blows off, wants to blow off every call, stop, get out. You're not a good preceptor. You're not a good FTO. And you're not setting the example for this new person who's going to look up to you, whether you, they like you or not. And they're going to use you as the example of who to be in the profession. Okay. I think that, uh, so I've had a couple of preceptors who have been really, really good. Um, and they've, you know, boosted me up and they've, they've taught me my, like what I did wrong uh, gently, I want to say, but the points still came across. The bad preceptors I've had have taken either my falling like my failings or my successes as a personal affront to them so i think at one point or another a good preceptor has to be removed yeah but and it makes for a hard shift so it's one of those things where i i know i've done something right or i really think i've done something right and it makes that person look bad because their student has outperformed them that's a ludicrous notion but it's also something that i think the uh, the preceptor has to be removed from or complimented by so pick one. I don't know. I, you know, if as a preceptor, I mean, one of the big things, you know, we're an FTO. I mean, the success of your students is your success. Right. So then where does your ego come in? And that's really where, like, the question is whether or not you're a good preceptor. Is that if my success is your failure, you kind of suck as a human being. Yeah, you're garbage human. <laughs> and to, a garbage to para- human. To paraphrase <laughs> you from an early episode, garbage human. Garbage human. Don't be, don't be one of those. There it is. Jess is formulating. I have to collect myself. Okay. <laughs> there are gears um, turning. Yeah, my, my experience. So I started as a volunteer at EMT. And my experience, I didn't really have a preceptorship per se. They kind of throw you on the truck. You while had you're, the guy with the clipboard, didn't you? Yeah. They kind of throw you on the truck while you're in the EMT class. And they're like, oh, well, you have CPR experience. So you'll just be on the truck and you can write stuff down. But you can't write the narrative because you haven't been trained on how to that write That's a legal yet. document. That's a legal document. However, I never got that narrative training. So bullshit. Um, <laughs> that never happened. That was never a thing. Have you seen most EMS narratives? Oh, my God. They're like two sentences long. They hurt my soul. Did Wait, a thing went to the house. Patient, patient walked. <laughs> Drove to hospital. Drove to hospital. No, sometimes there's not even report given. That's a that's a plus in my book. If you if they managed to put in care was transferred, that's like wow they did it. Oh my god. But um, (laughs) um, I didn't have a preceptorship as an EMT, and what little there was that resembled preceptorship was, oh this call came in and it was a pediatric fall. And we're a bunch of crazy people and it's a clown car and we don't have enough room. So you can't come on this call because you don't know what you're doing yet. And then I didn't go on the call. Oh, that's good. So I sat at the station. So, you know, I learned a lot. It was really resourceful and good information sitting in the 
in the bay like a loser. Um, <laughs> sit here or you won't get call credit. And there, th- there's a perfect example. What did you feel like? A loser. Like a loser. And then they come back and they're like, oh, it wasn't that big a deal. I'm like, oh, good. Good thing you kicked me off the call then. So I could get hands-on experience with a pediatric patient. Like, And then my nursing preceptorship has been rough. But I don't... It's a combination of different reasons. One, nursing is rough. Two, my preceptor is brilliant and a fantastic nurse, but she's tough and rough around the edges. And three, I'm not a blank slate for her to form and mold because I have 10 years of medical experience beyond nursing that mm-hmm. isn't nursing. So I already have my own ways of doing certain things. And I think that's very difficult sometimes for a preceptor when you get a student who already has some kind of experience and then you're trying to teach them something but they already have their own way of doing it that could kind of throw the preceptor for a loop maybe so my my experience has been tough it's been a long hard road and i would the biggest thing i can say is don't take something that your preceptee does and then at the end of the go day, go, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. So it's wrong. And don't do it that way while you're with me. When you're done, you can do it however you want. No, like being a preceptor doesn't mean you teach them exactly how to do something. You teach them how to provide care and you let them grow into their own providers and learn their own ways of doing things. And so long as they're following the right way, like I can put an IV in and I might have a slightly different technique than you. It doesn't mean it's wrong. No. And, and it's a tough thing when you start out precepting somebody. You have this idea that it's got to be done a certain way or you're trying to, you know, you make it, well, this is how I do it. And it's okay. And, you know, in some cases, yeah, you want to show them like, ooh, I would do it this way. But, it, but you can't evaluate them on that. You can't say whether they yeah. had a good shift or a bad shift based on, well, you didn't do the IV. You didn't put your extension set on this side because that's what I do and you are you suck because, you know, you didn't do it that way. Yeah. You know, you, you, the idea is develop confidence, develop competence, and get them to the point where when they leave you, you're, you feel good that they're going to go out and do things and that they're going to kind of – I always looked at it like – they're going to reflect on you. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they, if, if, you know, the, if, when my ducklings moved on, you know, if they sucked, it was because I sucked. Yeah. Yeah. That's why most of them are dead, Dan. But (laughs) 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 no, I mean, I mean, to to not, not to toot your horn, but I mean, Anna runs as a pretty high up in an EMS education department. I've gone to become a flight medic. Michael's in medical school. So, I mean, looks like you got a pretty good track record going on here. So you probably did something, right? Like one thing. Okay, so <laughs> so okay, so let's anonymize this. Yeah. Right. Um, so what were those things? So what were the keys? What why did you guys do so well? Well, I think I wasn't a student on your truck, but you were my field training officer partner for my first three months as a medic when I was new, scared, and beardless. Um I forgot about I the sh- time you were beardless. Well, because I shaved because I was scared of him. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Most so, uh, what, what, we go on to talk about what we as a uh, preceptor. You look disgusting pre- the first time I met <laughs> you. Well, yeah. Can I just, <laughs> I, I just say, you just, you looked like a derelict. I mean. Wow. <laughs> your shirt tail was hanging out. Let's listen. You were wearing some kind of off-brand hat that nobody knew what it was. Not much has changed. 
Oh, the beanie? You were unshaven. Oh, I know. Oh, it was It heinous. was that black beanie. Oh, wow. he's just like, hey, bro, I'm your new partner. I'm like, uh. Yeah, we met <laughs> We that. met in the trauma bay after I just brought in an open femur. And I'm literally like, here you go, Shuffled. new medic. Do your th- Yeah, I'm in like my worst moments, like, what, two in the morning. And like <laughs> a week later, you're going on your first day shift. I'm going on my first day shift. So it, no, it wasn't a good first impression. So after meeting you, I'm like, oh, man, I got to get my, I got to get my shit in order. <laughs> so... <laughs> And then hearing the horror stories from interns about how not tough you are, but how what I want to say regimented you are that you are squared away. So I'm like, well, I better get my, you know, I took out all my piercings. I was clean shaven. I made sure my hair was done. I ensured I had a watch. Like I made sure I was ready. Oh my god, the watch. Yeah, the watch. Yeah, Mike will tell you a story about that. Oh, I am so. Yeah, so, I am a. I, I watch thing is a big. Thing yeah, but I'm. I learned all I could about you before going in, so I was like, I want to make sure I do not let this guy down as his mm. new partner. And uh, the one big thing is that you were, as your partner, like you were disarming like in the first 20 minutes of shift, like, listen, you're a paramedic now, your patch means the same as mine, I may have 10 years, you may have 10 minutes, it doesn't matter. Um, if something goes wrong, you tell them to pull over the truck, I hop in and we just go, we'll talk about it after. And it put me at ease. And then going forward learning... Like, one big thing you impart on me was, like, listen, medic school taught you what you needed to know to be a medic. Now you're going to learn how to be a medic. Mm -hmm. And that, like, stuck with me for the entirety of my career. And I look at it as, like, you know, the foundation which I've built. So thank you for that. Thank you for scaring – thank you for scaring the hair off my face. (laughs) (laughs) It is thick and lustrous. Like, there's, like, a lot of hair to scare. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things you did right was you instilled professionalism into me uh, as far as the career is concerned. And what I mean by that is prior to being a student on your truck, I took the job as a kind of hobbyist attitude, I guess you would say, towards it. Um, I wasn't very exact. Um, Medicine is a science, and so is being a paramedic is being a science with the medicine involved. And I wasn't very exact with a lot of things. The famous story being that I didn't have a watch and I made up a respiratory rate in front of you and your partner (laughs) and was promptly called out uh, about it. And my answer of, uh, I guess, uh, wasn't wasn't excellent. Um, And what I mean by that is that, like, you instilled in me that you do need to be very objective. The professional parts of the job, essentially what a lot of people harp on our career for not having is what you harped on us to have. Show up early, stay late if you need to. Shirts pressed and clean, tucked in. You look the look the part. You know, look sharp, act sharp, and be sharp. I guess you know to take a line from one of my favorite police shows. But that's <laughs> like a, that's like essentially. Oh, which one is that? I can't remember the name of it. Right <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I didn't want to say because I was going to actually ask Kevin if he know, knows the show. This was our whole partnership. Uh, if anyone didn't know, me not knowing things and Kevin having to, Kevin having to guess. <laughs> But um, all right, Kevin, look it up. <laughs> but uh, I, I think you instilling the professionalism was a huge thing because you can train anybody to intubate. You can train anybody to uh, put an IV in. What you can't train or what you can't train easily is to be professional and to uh, be a good person while you're doing the job. And I think you did a good job of exemplifying that and then translating that into your students. Well, thanks. Get it. 
get it. But those are those are important things. I mean, you know, and that that breeds consistency. You know, for a field training officer or a preceptor, those are the things you want to teach students because it gets them into a routine, it gets them comfortable, and it's things that they can do. And then if you start saying, "Look, look, I can accomplish this. I can get this stuff done." You know what? Then I can check the truck and I can be thorough and I can go through every pocket. I don't yeah. have to know everything, but I have but I can do things in a systematic way and that builds your confidence. And now you're starting to think like you're a medic and starting to act like a medic and you're being a medic and then you'll learn the stuff later on. You know, and I think that's where preceptors go wrong is that, you know, we assume that Every paramedic that comes out of school knows what you know with 10 or 15 years experience. Right. We don't do that in any other profession. There's nobody out there. There's no master plumber that takes a kid right out of apprenticeship and says, oh, you know exactly how to do what I do. But we do it all the time in EMS. Oh, you got your card? You should know how to do this. Uh, not really. Mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest thing that I had for like the luckiest part of my my education was, you know, pre certification when i had you know like the the preceptorship the internship i'll stop babbling in a second give me a minute okay so i had preceptors that asked what it was that i needed to work on and a lot of that wasn't skill i knew how to do an iv i knew how to intubate somebody they drilled that into me in school whatever the my problem was uh my confidence i had no idea you know this person's dying in front of me this is a big thing and they never taught me how to deal with that in school so In the moments where I was dealing with a like a stable patient, those preceptors made it more challenging. We upped the fidelity. So I had a preceptor who like she came into the side of the truck and, you know, I'm talking to the little grandma who has a stomachache for the last two weeks. And I'm putting on my uh, my leads as I'm going through an assessment and she's behind me going faster, faster. You have to do this better. Go faster. You have to do this. You're going too slow. Okay, so that kind of pressure kind of built up. So when I had the high fidelity patient, when I had someone who's actively dying in front of me, I already knew I had to go fast and I already practiced. So it was one of those things where she saw where my weakness was. And even if it wasn't exactly the right approach, because it was terrifying, um, at <laughs> least the, the end result was I knew that I was able to do this skill better, faster, stronger because she had pushed me. And then when it came to my... Um, what is that called? Like it's like probationary period, I guess. When he came on three months with Dan, mm, yeah, that's probably, fine. Yeah, rookie, you're probably rookie, yeah. World. You're when I was, period. oh, rookie world. That sounds like the greatest <laughs> and rookie the, world. And, and that the makes worst it sound lay, way less terrifying than it yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> rookie world sounds like the worst and also the best amusement park yeah, compared to what it actually was. It's yeah, rookie it's world. The best. Like I want a <laughs> cotton candy. Everything is broken. <laughs> Everyone's freaking out and crying. <laughs> I want a cotton candy, but like Welcome nothing's to rookie world. I'm welcome to the rookie world. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I think I learned how to do this, but now I can't remember. I don't remember. I have to get my cards. Um, Please don't but when, me. but when, like, but when I was riding with you, the first thing I said, uh, like right off, like we clocked in, we're checking the truck, or whatever, was like, I'm gonna kill someone today. I'm in so much trouble because I have no idea what I'm doing. And the one thing you said to me that I have said to every single student afterwards was, "There's nothing you can do that I can't fix." And that instantly made me feel like my partner had my back. Yeah, that's so something cool. I always say to, to students. I just it's like, look, whatever. I want to put, you want to put them at ease. You can't, If that was one thing that I learned from being precepted or being in a training officer program. I literally, there were times I went, I went to my shifts and I was in a panic mm-hmm. because I was so scared I would do something that they didn't think was good and it would affect me. You know, like I would screw something up and that would be the end of it. And, you know, you got to have that confidence 
in a preceptor preceptee relationship where you've got to have that confidence that they've got your back. Yeah. You know, you, you can screw up. And, you know, like you said, like the rule, the other rule I always had, you know, we always had was, look, if you're not, if you see something, you're not sure of it, pull the truck over. Cause I will get out. I will come take a look and maybe I'll just go, what's going on? And I, oh, it did this. Okay. We're good. Don't worry about it. But you need that. You need to have that, you know, you need to be able to call time out and come to the sideline. Right. And have somebody say, hey, you know, it's okay. We can do this or, oh, this didn't work or this, you know, you know, something's going wrong in the back. And sometimes, you know, when I had a preceptee or, you know, somebody was, oh, my God, they're in VTAC. What do I do? Oh, okay. Well, here's what we got to do. Let's let's get to work. But making people you have to put preceptees at ease. You have to put students at ease. I also think there's a point where you have to take your preceptee and make them as nervous as possible. There's one time like we were we were nearing the end of our our, our rookie months, mm. whatever it was. And we had a, a rookie season. world. Rookie <laughs> world. <laughs> I'm gonna make T shirts now. This that's our next phrase. Rookie <laughs> world, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> we're sorry you're here. That's the catchphrase for the whole park. We're sorry you're here. We're sorry. <laughs> We're all sorry you're here, rookie. <laughs> but we had gotten to like that the end part of this where like we had like two weeks left and we had done we were in, you know, old people world and like we had done CHF after CHF after CHF and I would I was still kind of antsy about that. And you kind of looked at me and you were like, You got this? The door slammed and my world ended, but I had to suck it up. <laughs> you had to do it. Yeah. At you know, one point or another. Yeah, you had to. Yeah. You either kick the bird out of the nest and they fly it's or they're time dead to, on the rocks. Time to f- start flapping. Flat <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bitch. The, uh, the show is Southland, by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, great show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Dan, what was, I'm just curious, the best preceptor influence on you then? Oh, good question. If you had to bestow your wisdom to us future preceptors. Were they drawing like directions and hieroglyphics on the cave walls? Or? I'm gonna. So I'll do. This is one that's been a regret of mine for a long time. Uh, this is something that I've that I really slipped up on, and I I I missed a lot of opportunities. I I was at a conference and I was speaking to somebody who was from my area, who worked in the area when I was on the road as a as a training officer, and um, you know, she said, you know. We were sitting talking and you know, talking about the neighborhood, blah, 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 whatever. And she goes, you know, I, I, I used to ride when you, you were on the truck and, you know, I, I used to use, you were my medic on a lot of calls and, you know, you see so many people, you guys know, you see, you're like in a tiered system. The medics are kind of like minor celebrities. Like, you know, we're like tier four celebrities. Yeah. You everybody know? knows mm-hmm. your name. You have no idea who. Exactly. Never yeah. know who oh, it's is. Kevin and Anna. Oh, it's Kevin. And no. Mike. All right. Yeah. Quick, quick, quick side story. So uh, when Mike we and go. I were tangent. Par- here we go. Quick tangent. Speaking of that, because when Mike and I were partners, Mike is like the friendliest <laughs> human being you'll ever meet. And I can look very unapproachable, especially at night. Cause I have black hair and a black beard. Um, Everybody would be like, "Oh, Mike! Hey, Mike! How you doing? Sup, Kevin?" Like, that was <laughs> how it went. Mike, Mike was the celebrity. I was just like his tumor on his face oh, that, ev- that everyone that knew had to, they had to look at, but didn't want to acknowledge. But you're my tumor. Oh, that's so sweet. Sorry to detract, but that's something that eats at me for like my entire like career thus far is how unlikable I appear to be. Oh, that's great! <laughs> like the first time I met you. Oh, and uh, yeah, Mike was there. Yeah, Mike so, was there, and I was not angry at Mike, and I was angry at you. See? 
See, I, yeah. I know. I you know those feelings. Oh, no, I knew that story. Oh, okay. But That's anyway, a story for another time. Oh, no, I got it. So talking, going back to this, on the, you know, now that we're off the tangent, is um, I had this person. She's very, very knowledgeable, very practiced, and now she's, you know, she's moved on in her career as a, as, a pra- as a clinician, and she's doing very well. And she goes, you know, I really wanted to learn. You know, you were, so, you were really good at what you did, and I, the calls you were on, you seemed like you knew what you were doing, but I was afraid to ask you questions. Because mm-hmm. you were so focused on your tasks and, you know, I, I just got this feeling that you weren't going to answer them or I didn't want to get you, you know, in a bad, bad mood or whatever. And, you know, I kind of sat there for a second and I was like, God, I'm really sorry. You know, I wish you would have talked to me. I wish you would have said. And then I kind of said, and I'm sorry I wasn't approachable. You know, I'm sorry you felt that I wasn't that you that I wasn't somebody you could come to as a resource. Um, and that did color my perspective. Um, you know, I think, I think if I have a regret, there was some missed opportunities. I had, I missed opportunities to teach people things. I had, you know, because of that, I had that facade of, I have to be, you know, very regimented. I have to be very forceful and, you know, it's very different. You know, you guys saw me as partners in the truck, which is different. You know, you cut up, we say jokes, we played music, you know, we did, you know, we did on a little side shopping trips, whatever we were doing. <laughs> we sure looked at was... a lot of internet memes. <laughs> there there <laughs> was a lot, lot of, memes. of internet. There was memes. There are many <laughs> memes. But I think that's that's one mistake that that's one lesson that I've learned going forward is that for your students and for the people you that are willing to learn you have to be approachable. You have to be, you know, you can still present that professional image and that seriousness that, look, what we do is important, but that doesn't mean you can't talk to me. That doesn't mean you can't come up to me and say, hey, what's, hey, I had a question on this, or hey, did I do this right? Doesn't mean I'm going to give you the answer you want. I may say to you, well, you know, you really missed this, or you missed this, or, you know, this is what, you, you know, you were looking at this and you didn't notice this. And nobody likes to hear that stuff. I mean, there's people who say like, oh, yeah, I love constructive criticism. Bullshit. Everybody hates criticism. Everybody hates being told they, did a, they didn't do anything less than a fantastic job. Okay. But you have to be approachable to get that feedback. And I think there were times where I wasn't, you know, and I think there were times where I turned people off. And that's a big regret of mine. You do suffer from cop face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... And, and yeah, and that is, cop. and not for nothing, that was a, that was a condition of my, my training and what I was brought up in. You know, there was, mm-hmm. you know, you were they very. They teach you how to make that face? Oh yeah. There's like a whole There's a class. Is, what? It's the first no, two weeks really. of police academy. Oh, okay. There's a class. You can't. You first can't two weeks of police academy is mean mugging. <laughs> mean mugging? <laughs> you know. You have these sunglasses that are like really, really, like. It like wrecks my day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Him and I started together in like this very sunny February, and he'd be walking around with his M barred like Oakley glasses, just looking like a Terminator. He does. Just, like making EMTs like poop their pants. I'm just like, ah, this is my partner. Like, thank God he's on my team today. Yeah. You ever like stand behind Dan and just kind of wave at people like, hi. Yeah. 
Sorry. No, Dale, as Dan's partner, he's going to kind of put you out front. He just stands in the back, like his arms folded, oh watching God. you work. Right? It's or terrifying. Or like, don't, don't fuck with her. I got this. Yeah. Or I'm right, right, it. right. Don't you try to give my don't you try to give my partner the runaround? Uh-huh. I will I will smite thee. <laughs> I will smite thee. There was lightning. I don't well, care what anybody says, there was lightning. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's another example. I, I think for I think as an FTO or a preceptor, you have to be a, there first and foremost, you have to advocate for your partner. You yeah. have to advocate for your trainee. You have to expect them that they will get treated with courtesy, that they will get treated as not just some student or caddy or whatever, mm-hmm. that they're a part of the team and they're going to get their reps and they're going to do things. And yes, it's going to take them a little longer than I would. And you know what? Too bad. You're just going to sit there and you're going to let them try to start that IV and I'll be the determinant of when that's futile or when it's not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to have that edge. Um do I think there's a better way to do it? Of course, of course there is. I'm not the one who's going to profess that I did everything perfectly. I don't. No, but I think the concept is the same. Is that like you know, and I like I try to do this with my um, with my EMT students now. Is you know, we're going to put you out in the field. We're going to show you that there's going to be experiences here, and the people who are above you um, are going to do it faster than you are. But if you're if you're the one who's guiding them towards being as good as you are, then you have to have their back no matter what. So even if it's something that you didn't do perfectly will say is there a perfect as long as you have the concept down i think perfect is unattainable mm. doesn't yeah. mean we can't strive for it it's very to, zen to quote mm. to quote vince lombardi um not well maybe a little verbatim here but perfection's impossible but through the pursuit of perfection we capture excellence and uh oh god you should I be love that. you should be chasing perfection at every turn that hit me in my cold dead heart yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go up to Angle and see him together sometime. It is Vince. Thanks, reptilian soul. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, uh, and I've had a few other uh, people I look up to tell me, like, you know, you're never going to get it perfect, but you keep trying for perfect, and you know, don't practice till you can't get it wrong. Uh, don't practice till you get it right. Practice till you can't, can't get, get, it, get it, wrong. it wrong. Oh yeah. So. I think that should be that should be over every classroom mm-hmm. door in every EMT and paramedic training program. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, uh, are you a professional or an amateur? Amateurs practice till they get it right. <laughs> Amateurs. Professionals Amateur. practice until they cannot get it wrong. Right. So, Dan, as somebody who is looking to be a preceptor at the next time an opening comes up, what advice would you give somebody looking to get into preceptorship or field training officers? First of all, I, I, I think you have to be very, very good with your with your physical assessment skills. You have to know you have, uh, you have to know what you're looking at, know what putting hands on patients means and what how to find the things you need to find, because you're going to be able to by knowing your physical assessment, you're going to know when your students are running jive on you and you have to call them out on it because <laughs> they have to learn. And part of learning is, it is almost like parenting. Like, you have to know when your kid is bullshitting you. And, you know, my my students and my, my preceptor, part, you know, my training partners, they were like my kids. I looked out for them. I, I wanted them to do well. I, I thought they were a direct reflection of me. So... You didn't, I didn't know physical skills. I knew you didn't listen to, you know, when somebody didn't listen to their lungs and, you know, when they didn't get this right or when they didn't get that right. And it wasn't a matter of calling them out in front of people, but I could say later on, hey, let me take a look. Did you listen to this? Oh, oh no. Like, uh uh-huh. It's okay. We'll talk about it later. 
So you have to know your physical assessment skills. Secondly, you have to know your didactic stuff. You have to know your standing orders. You have to know your communications failures orders. You have to know your protocols and you have to know them cold. You can't, you know, you can't have, there's nothing worse than a preceptor making a proclamation that's wrong. Like, oh no, that's a standing order med. You're supposed to give that. And they're going, no, I'm not supposed to. Don't tell me I'm the, I'm the FTO. You're the student. The student's right. And that happens. You know, if you're going to call somebody out on something, you better make damn sure that you know they're wrong. I think that's why being an FTO is also pretty good because it makes sure you're on top of your stuff. Yeah. Like it's a very easy way for, <laughs> for you to make sure you're always going to be on top of your stuff. Whether you're going to become a paramedic preceptor, nursing preceptor, or physician preceptor in the future, like it's just a good way to make sure you're staying current on literature. You're you staying have to. current yeah. on you have everything to. that's going Listen, on. Listen, pre precepting or FTO, it's 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 a shitty job in that the fact is they're not going to pay you what you're worth. No, no, never. But but they don't pay you what you're worth now. But you'll never, mm-hmm. if you're doing it right, you'll never feel like you're doing some. You never feel like you're not doing something less important. Like it's, it's fun. You and, you know, getting a chance to watch somebody like pick up on something or, you know, like you're watching them do the assessment, like, oh, they're going to pull the trigger on this. Yeah. And they look at you like, oh, we got to do this. I'm like, yes. (laughs) You know, like watching them, you know, watching them deal with a patient, watching them give a handoff report to, you know, to the doc and the doc go, hey, nice job. That's, that's the win. You know, you get the edification, you know, you, the, the student or the, the new, the rookie walks out like, oh, I did this great. And, you know, most of the times I was behind my, the, my rookie or my, my student, I'm going, yes, I rule. You know, like, <laughs> we're going to go to rookie world to celebrate. Hooray! Everybody's going to rookie world. We're right? very sorry. <laughs> you know, go sp- Go spike a bedpan, you know what I mean? <laughs> Come on, stuff. kid. I'm going to go buy you a half-filled soda. Come on, kid. We're going yeah. for an Italian ice. But, um, That's the wrong flavor. So, yeah, you have to know your stuff cold. You can't be, you can't be wrong. Um, if you're wrong, admit it. If the or student if knows you something, know the you don't know. Or if you don't know. Oh, that's another mm-hmm. huge one. Mm-hmm. If you don't know the answer, you have got to say you don't know the answer. And, and that you'll go look it up. Yes. Uh, I had a preceptor who I asked Uh-oh. a question to, and like, and they didn't know the answer. They told me to write a paper about it. Uh, for mm, probably for their own education, uh, which I did. You did it? Yeah, of course. Oh, I, I would have been like, well, no. you had to. Yeah. The, the, what the, do you mean? And the and the project that we went through, as far as like education goes, like the the preceptors were gods. And I would have been did, like, if no. you didn't do what they said, you would never see the road again. Yeah, no, that wouldn't have happened. I wrote a, I wrote a paper on uh, DIC, disseminating intravascular coagulopathy. Yeah, and mm-hmm. now we all know what. And that now means. you know what it is. And now I'll never forget. That's nope. right. And now they do too because yeah, now, they read you know, your damn paper. Now he or she learned. And and that's a, that's a kind of thing that doesn't like. What kind of learning experience is that? I never assigned anybody a paper because first of all, who am I? Secondly, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Secondly, I'm like yeah. you know if I you brought up something weird like. Hey, you know what? I don't know either. All right, let's go look it up. Let's yeah. go see what the story is. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, oh, there's a podcast on this. Let's put it on the aux cord. You and know? That, yeah, like, and that humanizes you, too. Yeah. 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 I, I think makes, that's pretty important. You it have makes to... the student feel like, okay, it's okay not to know everything. Right. Yeah, that's okay. A student or my, I, I think that to be a successful FTO or preceptor, you have, your student or your preceptee has to understand it's okay to screw up. Yeah. 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 Having a fallacy. 
They have to be able to say I screwed up. They have to be allowed to screw up. Not to the point where you kill the patient, but no, you obviously. have to give them the opportunity to screw up so right. you learn it. Um, I had a, I had a pre, you know, I've had a preceptor where, you know, I didn't bring something to the back of the truck and, you know, we needed it and he let me go. He let me dangle as long as I could. And he goes, uh, where is it? And I'm going, ah, ah. he's like, it's in the back of the truck. Cause you didn't bring it in. You weren't prepared. Now go get it. Okay. <laughs> go get it. Bring it back in. I'm like, okay. And he goes, not going to do that again. Are you? I'm like, nope, not at all. Another one. And this was another preceptor. I was like, it's okay. I always felt with that preceptor, like it was safe. Like I'm practicing, but it's safe because they have my back. They're going to mm-hmm. protect me. The other thing too is as a FTO or a preceptor, you got to understand your students' mistakes are your mistakes. They're not the students' mistakes. You can talk about it later and you can say, hey, you really threw me under a, you really screwed me on this. But in the end, you don't have any right to go to the medical director, any right to go to your supervisor, your clinical people and say, well, it wasn't my fault. It was a stupid student, didn't know what they were doing. No, you're there. It's on you. It's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be watching them. And the student's not supposed to know what they're doing. No. That's it. I mean, to an extent, sure. But, like, you know, mastery is not where they're at right now. No, they're not. Even a, even as a new grad paramedic, you're not a mastery. No. You're barely. Five you're barely at entry-level competence. No, it's, it's barely. You, yeah, Going through, I mean, particularly in New Jersey, we have a fairly rigorous process to become a paramedic. It's mm-hmm. generally about a two-year program. Other places where it might be like a six-month program. Six I can't. Months. Yeah, well, no. most places now have to be accredited I to be a registry state. So, for the most part, it's an associates level program. Oh, but the, but the quality of the practical experience varies widely. Let's right. Be, uh, so let's be I mean, honest. coming out after that, like I barely felt like I knew enough to to be there. And then it was just a matter of collecting experience and not killing anybody and having my partner slash FTO there to back me up in case and. Someone, like, when I wasn't sure, even if he knew the answer, I would ask him a question, and we'd talk through it on a patient. You know, we had a couple minutes to do that. and helped me learn to talk, basically think through it myself by just having an open conversation with him. Like, hey, is this pneumonia or is this CHF? Mm-hmm. Let's differentiate. And then having that done, like, made a, a world of difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Salvi. No, it's, it's true. It's incredibly cute. Absolutely. You have to be able to do that. And you have to have that deeper. The other thing you have to do with your students and your pre, your new, your rookies is debrief. Every call, after every call, what, what went well? What can we improve? What did we miss? I think it's more, you know what it is? It's, it's a debrief that's constructive. Because it's yeah. easy for you to sit here as the as a preceptor and say, this is what went well and good for you, but also you did this terribly. Well, Ugh. so instead of that, it's more, you know, this is what went well and this is what we can improve on. Right. So always, always leave that like an open-ended kind of... Yeah, hope, understand, hope? understand, right. Understand that your rookies and your students are a little delicate flowers. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you're too we harsh to them, flowers. you hurt yeah. them. And if you hurt them enough, they don't grow. Yeah. They oh, just don't super grow. super deep. It's true. They got really deep. Daniel's son. Daniel's son. Daniel's son. Everyone bows. <laughs> this is why we call him the Jedi Master. <laughs> <laughs> little zen here <laughs> sometimes sometimes we call him darth vader but it's different it depends if he's, wearing the gl- if he's wearing the glasses yeah, vader. yeah. <laughs> this fucking guy <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy oh god again <laughs> listen my first month working with you i was terrified just about every day and then 
you and I had a breakthrough moment where you became suddenly human, where we laughed for a good 20 minutes at one meme on the internet while we're drinking coffee. It was that stupid meme with the old guy, No, right? it was Joseph DeCrew. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, what? I'll, I'll show you. I need to look for it. Fortnite with women. We'll put, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. I'll, I'll even get you the specific one. So at that moment, like, not only did, like, I feel at ease from being tense, like, it made Danny human and somebody I can actually have a conversation about something other than EMS with. And there you go, negative mistake on my part i wasn't approachable in the beginning you were just i mean it was i'm gonna make it, i'm gonna make excuses for you you were this is your first foray on day shift in a long long time so you were still adjusting no not at all it was it, you have to be approachable for your students if i wasn't appro- if i wasn't approachable think about it. that was a couple weeks of time where you might not have absorbed things from me possibly, possibly. there could have been mistakes made there you have to be approachable. You can be you can be firm, like you said, firm but fair, consistent. You have to be approachable. You have to know your stuff cold. You have to be able to talk and find information and get your student the resources they need. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, or you think it's like a day off the truck, you're wrong, and you're wrong for the job. Like I always thought. Listen, there were days as much as I like doing it. There were days where I would have like a brand, you know. I would generally have a brand new medic with me every three months and I would have a student, which hence the ducklings term, which was great. Mm. But there was such a nice time. The days when I would come in and I'd have a 15 or 20 year medic that I knew just knew their stuff was really confident. And I was like, Oh my God, this is a day off. I don't have, I don't have to watch what he's doing. I, I don't have to debrief him everything. I don't have to go over stuff. He knows this stuff. This is great. And that's another thing. I think as a preceptor, you have to have those breaks. You can't do it every day. Yeah. It's, it's tiring. That's, hey, folks, that's why teachers have summer breaks. That's why teachers have, you know, winter breaks. Because, you know what, going in front of a class and and putting out information and getting kids to go along with you every day is hard. And doing it for professional education is no different. And your own skills suffer. Yeah. If you're going to let your student intubate on every turn, you don't get any intubations. Oh, I gave away more tubes than... I would give away more. I would only get my hands on if it was like, oh, my God, they're dying. Put the tube in. <laughs> you know, oh. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Stop sweating. It, it got to the point, yeah. If I if I was putting my hands on a patient, things went really wrong really fast. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what you're there for. But when they can't handle it, it's for you to come up and be like, hey, that's fine. You got stuck in the moment. You missed the two. And you have to do it tactfully. Yeah. You know, this is that's a dangerous part for a preceptor. You know, you can destroy a student or a rookie mm-hmm. by pulling them out of a situation like benching them. And it's how you do it. Like, get out of there. You don't know what you're doing. And we've seen that, you know, or get out of there. You're incompetent. Anybody could have done that. That just you might as well just they're done. It's but over. Then, if you if you have to if you feel the need to pull a trigger that way, if you don't regroup, that's where you lose them. Right, because if it's one of those things where someone is dying in front of you and you have to place a tube, and oh my god, just step out of the way. There's a there's a mental component to that where like I'm not. Good I would at rehearse this, it. I, I would be this. like because I because like you know like Kevin said. I mean I was not always the nicest human being, and you know thankfully I've grown. But I would say like I would rehearse in my head. Okay, this is I have to step in now. I need you to step back. We'll talk about this later. It's the talk about this later. And, and then the, the follow-through to that. And do that was it the most and then effective. follow through as soon as possible because that was a really fragile point for egos and for mm-hmm. psyches. And you can really damage a trainee 
And Jess is yeah. going, oh, so going would you li- Jess, would you like to contribute? Yeah, so <laughs> actually she <laughs> would. Actual now, I don't precept Jess. Sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> no, he does not. Um, I think one of the most disheartening things as the preceptee is when a train wreck patient comes in or you arrive at a train wreck patient and then your preceptor just pushes you out of the way and goes, all right, like, and just starts bossing you around. Oh, yeah. And it should be the other way around. Me as the preceptee, I should be in there making the decisions and then my preceptor should be the one, I should be able to say to my preceptor, you go start the line. And then someone else, you go get the EKG. Right. I should be the one trying to make those connections. Sure. Because how am I going to learn how to do that if my preceptor is like, well, this patient's sick. I don't have time for this. You have to have time. It's not an effective way to teach. You have to have time. And I've been in that situation a couple times now. And it's really frustrating because I'm not dumb. I know what I have to do. It might just take me like a millisecond longer than you want me to take Mm -hmm. to get there. And that's okay because, you know, just like there's muscle memory, there's... There's like pathways in your brain that when you do something over and over, you're going to remember how to do it. I'm just not there yet. I'm brand new. Right. I haven't made those pathways. I haven't made those connections and they're not going to ever develop if I don't get a chance to develop them in the first place. Right. That's a great point. So mm-hmm. there's always more knowing time. when to step back. Right. There's always more time to muck around than you think you have. Yeah. Like you can always let the student try for a yeah. second attempt. You can always let yeah. the student shoot for a second IV. You can always let them reassess the patient. You can let them work the wheels through. Nobody's going to die in 15 seconds. No. Just chill. And if, they, if they do die in 15 seconds, just fix it. Yeah, yeah. just... just if they were going to die fine. in 15 seconds, they were going to die anyway. Just deal with it anyway. There was nothing yeah. you were going to do about it. No. So... No. I think that's a good place. Uh, we we did identify some good things. I'd like to thank my uh, partners for not beating me up too much. You're welcome. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> for those of you who are considering it, precepting, field training is a great idea. It's a great thing for your career. It's great. It's great for you. I, I still look at it as one of the most fun things I ever did as a paramedic. Um, and probably would love to go back to it if uh, later on. So, um We'll, you know, let us know how you feel. Um, you know, send us some comments, overrunproductions.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Overrun EMS, uh, Instagram, Overrun Productions. We're also on Facebook. Uh, like, comment, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Alexa, all the podcast stuff. Uh, so uh, for the Overrun, I'm Dan. I'm Anna. I'm Jess. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mike. Thanks for coming. Get home safe. <laughs>